Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is John Van Lunen, and you are listening to Treasures of the Outer Banks. We're in episode 21, and in this episode, I sat down and talked with Mark Buckler. He lives right here in Southern Shores, and he is a wildlife photographer. He has a business called Mark Buckler Photography, where he takes customers on photography tours. Now, most of his tours are right here on the Outer Banks, but he also does tours in Alaska, Africa, and the Arctic. What he reminded me was that this area is just bursting with wildlife. We have our black bears, red wolves, wild horses, alligators, migrating birds, and more. Basically, we have so many great opportunities right here in our backyard for outstanding wildlife photography. If you like wildlife photography, I think you're going to like this episode with Mark Buckler. So sit back and enjoy. So you're in Alaska. The salmon are spawning. You're sitting in a cold stream somewhere in the wilderness, and you see a bear running at you. Describe to me what you're feeling, what you're seeing, what you're doing. Uh, pure exhilaration. All right. There's just, I don't think there's anything more exciting that I do uh, than having a, a bear running at eye level while you're sitting in a stream, uh, crashing through the water at kind of full steam and pouncing. <laughs> right on salmon right in front of you. Right. It's, uh, it just is completely, uh, uh, just the most exhilarating experience. And to see something that powerful and, uh, just crashing through the water and trying to capture an image, uh, of it doing its thing is. And, and what's your fear level at that point? Uh, almost none. Uh, the, right. you know, there are a couple of factors going into that. It's, you know, part of it is my background. I've got several decades of experience studying wildlife. I, my degrees in wildlife biology, I, I have a very good understanding of wildlife and wildlife behavior. Uh, and so the, the other factor is that these bears have been fishing for salmon uh, for, you know, thousands of years. And they, they really have no interest in in anything else they're not interested in right? in eating me uh because they have plenty of food around uh that's that's probably much easier to catch than than me and they're just they're just so busy gorging on salmon that they they pretty much ignore you right and you still have to be aware and vigilant and you know and right. and, and monitor the bears and keep an eye on them but they you know they routinely will will walk within just a, a few feet of you and um, and what's and what is your response I mean is it just no eye contact you know don't move or uh, well it, it, I guess the official response is <laughs> you know a lot of this is within Katmai National Park uh, which is a massive wilderness area and you know you have there's there's a rule uh, a regulation that you have to stay 50 yards away from a bear. Okay. However, there are certain situations where if a bear approaches you, it's actually safer to stay put and let the bear do its thing rather than stand up and move away from the bear, which could be perceived as a threat to the bear. And, and so, you know, you, you have to use your, have to use your noggin a little bit and, and use the knowledge that you have and, and, you know, so, you know, 
For the record, I'm always 50 yards away from a bear, but the reality is that there are certain situations where um, you may not be able to to do that, and uh, and it's a perfectly safe situation. Right. And what kind of preparation do you have to do up there? I mean, I'm thinking, here's what I'm imagining. You probably had to get up kind of early. You had to hike in. You had to, you know, set up your equipment. You had to you dress for the occasion. You know, uh, what, what kind of preparation are you doing as you get into position? Well, it's that's also what makes it probably my favorite trip that I've I've ever done. And you know, I'm sure we'll talk about some some other things. Uh, you know, that I've I've done and experienced and places that I've been. But what's really nice about the the way that I I like to photograph the bears in Alaska uh, is I like to go to what I refer to as a flyout lodge. Uh, so I'm in a, uh, in the, I'm literally in the middle of nowhere in yeah. a small, uh, village, uh, where there's a, you know, kind of a small cabin and, or some small cabins and a, a lodge that we operate out of, uh, and we don't photograph bears around the lodge. Right. We jump in, uh, some kind of bush plane, uh, wow. whether it's a, a tundra plane that has tundra wheels on it so we can land on the tundra or on yeah. beaches or uh, most of the time we're in float planes, you know, just right. kind of a classic de Havilland beaver. And uh, we go to wherever the best bear activity is. Uh, and that, that means we get, um, you know, we can always get to bears um, because if you just go to a lodge and photograph bears at a lodge, um, right. you know, in that general area, if the bears don't happen to be there, you're kind of out of luck. So right. we have this advantage of just flying literally to the middle of nowhere with very often nobody within a hundred miles wow. and you get dropped off and you kind of hike into maybe where the bears are because they're not always going to be near the little ponds that right. we, we land in the float planes. And sometimes we even camp out uh, right with the bears and, and, you know, so that's what that that makes it uh, just a really fun, true wilderness experience. Right. You know, it's a little bit kind of it's a little different than a, you know, an African safari. A lot of people dream of and uh, and you definitely need to go do that at some point. If if you're interested in, in wildlife, African safaris are amazing, but it it's not necessarily kind of the same wilderness experience as the the bears in alaska right um because in in an african safari you are you know you basically have to stay in the vehicle you can't get out of a vehicle oh, really and then most of the camps uh you know in an african safari are are more luxurious than than my house you know i mean <laughs> yeah you're staying right. in tents but they're large luxurious tents right? you know with you know that it's nice. And you just came back from a uh, Africans. I did. Yeah, How I did that go? Back. I, it, it was fantastic. Um, nice. I mean, it's it's always always fun to be in Africa. It and was, did you get uh, do a lot of phot photography there? Yeah, or? that's okay. all. That's yeah. the purpose of going. Is is I run photo tours. Uh, you know, here around Eastern North Carolina and right. the Outer Banks, which is my my home base. Right. But uh, I run a lot of photo tours all over the world from doing polar bears uh, in the Arctic to um, to the grizzly bears that we talked about to Africa and Iceland. And You've taken students to the Arctic? 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So these are, you know, when I, when I, you know, run these trips, they're, they're not, uh, you know, they're not solo trips and I'm not necessarily selling photographs. Uh, you know, I'm not photographing for a magazine or anything like that. What I do is I run photo tours and take people on trips. Is that strictly your business? It is. Yeah. I mean, I sell photos and you can, you know, you can see photos and of mine in magazines and on billboards, even around here. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll sell stuff for people's walls too, if, yeah. if they want it. But, you know, I don't, I, I don't even put things in galleries here anymore because I'm just, I'm too busy running all over the outer banks, taking people around and yeah. showing them the amazing photography here and cool. the amazing nature and the wildlife or somewhere else in the, in the world. Excellent. So, Let's uh, let's stick to uh, close to home a little bit. Uh, Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge is right around the corner here, and I, I have to admit, I'm I'm late to the party. I've lived here 25 <laughs> years, and all of a sudden, I I keep thinking there's bears over there. You know, my wife and I we rented a couple of e-bikes and just rode around and checked out the bears. Very cool. I highly recommend it. And, yeah, yeah. No, and, it's. So, so tell me about your, your experiences over there or your classes over there. Yeah, well, you know, and it's not just Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge from, you know, where we're sitting right now in, in Kitty Hawk. Um, there's basically 11 national wildlife refuges within a, a, a two-hour drive right. of, of Kitty Hawk. And... That make I think the total acreage is something is three quarters of a million acres of land in national wildlife refuges in northeastern North Carolina and and a, a couple up in southeastern Virginia just over the North Carolina border uh, and you know that's that uh, the the wildlife refuges and the nature and the photography opportunities is what brought me here eighteen nineteen years ago. Um, uh, I think for what I like to photograph, which is wildlife, uh, primarily, but also just nature landscapes, you know, beautiful right. scenery. Uh, I, I would say that the Outer Banks rivals any place in North America right. for its photography opportunities. You've got, um, you know, in, in Eastern North Carolina, not here on the, on the barrier Island itself, although, uh, every once in a while, a bear will make its way yeah. over here. Um, but, but quite rarely, uh, but just on the other side of the sound, uh, in Eastern North Carolina on the Albemarle Pamlico Peninsula, you've got the highest concentration of black bears in the world. That's crazy. And you've also got, uh, the, you know, they happen to be the largest black bears in the world as well. <laughs> right. Now, not all of them are, are large, right. but you know, the world record black bear was, uh, it, is from this area at 880 pounds Crazy. and that's that's a that's a big bear that's bigger <laughs> that's than an average <laughs> grizzly bear is that right yep i was trying i was trying so, to wonder how they compared to the grizzly but yeah i so, always I thought mean, the grizzly bear was bigger uh, well they generally are the record is yeah is, but okay. if you take the largest black bear it's it's bigger than than kind of an average grizzly gotcha, so gotcha, it's yeah but there's there's some big differences but you know you've got you know, the, the bears here, you've got wild horses on the beach up right. north in Kerala, which is a very unique situation. There aren't a lot of places in the in the world where you can find wild horses in the dunes and and down by the ocean. And you've got uh, 
the most endangered uh, mammal on the planet, uh, also over at Alligator River uh, National Wildlife Refuge with the red wolf. Right. Um, Have you had so, a chance to spot them at all? Yeah. Because they're very shy, right? Well, they, well, they're shy. Well, yeah, they, they, they tend to be fairly active at night and at dawn and dusk. And so you have to be out there at those times to really see them. They're, they're generally not very active during, during the day. And there are so few of them, uh, yeah. right now there's, you know, I think there's 20 to 25 of them in the wild wow. right now. Yeah. And, um, and when you, I'm sorry to cut you off, but when you go to Alligator River, are you pretty much just planting yourself in the blind somewhere or are you moving around as the day wears on? Or? No. Well, I may sit and plant myself somewhere if, if I have a handle on a uh, particular behavior that might be happening uh, with, you know, bears or other wildlife in an area. But generally uh, it's an area where when I take people there, we just drive around and when we right. see something, we get out and, and photograph. Okay. Um, you know, that's one of the things that, that, that makes it so, so nice. You don't, uh, right. you know, that, and there, you don't there, have to use the bush plane to fly. In no, and you don't no, have no, to no. camp out. No, no. And you don't, have, you know, and there, and you don't need to, you don't need to walk through the woods or that's not a, right. not a real good idea. That's what, uh, that's how you get in trouble with, with bears is, uh, you know, you, if you surprise a bear, that's. You know, so kind of walking through the woods looking for for bear is not always the the best yeah. way to go about it. There's so much open space out there, and the bears spend a lot of time out in the open. Right. Um, and so, you know, you don't have to put yourself in a situation where where you're in any kind of danger from the bear. What about birds of prey? Are you, do you get into birds of prey at all? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, any wildlife. Okay. I just I love to spend time with and photograph and. Um, so, you know, you know, in this area, um, you know, you've got bald eagles, you've got uh, all kinds of hawks and osprey and, uh, but one of the, the favorites, uh, to photograph, uh, especially at Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge are the, uh, are the owls, especially the right. barred owls. It, they, uh, are quite cooperative, Is that right? <laughs> uh, and there are usually, uh, several pairs in really? in one particular area uh, that, so, are, that are visible frequently, and right? and barn owls, uh, at least in Alligator River National Wildlife Refuge, are are very are quite diurnal. So they're active during right. the day, and they can be active hunting all day long. Is that right? Um, because uh, uh, I'm here on the Dogwood Trail. I hear uh, great horned owls yep. fairly often. Yep. And I've never seen one, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm determined to see an owl at some point in time. But yeah, the I, great, I great horned should... owls are definitely much more nocturnal. Gotcha. Um, and they tend to be a little bit, a little bit more, more difficult to see. Is that um, right? They blend yeah. in better? Yeah. Um, you know, and they, the best way is to, is to locate their nest, uh, which they are uh, pretty much building right now. Is that right? Yeah, they'll okay. have uh, the the owls, especially the great horned owls. They'll have eggs down uh, probably by in in January. 
Is that right? Yeah. Are they trying to find a knoll, or are they building a, a traditional nest? Uh, great horned owls uh, generally are going to build a, a nest, okay. kind of out of sticks. You know, kind of similar, uh, similar to a, a, a typical nest. Okay. But the the barred owls are cavity nesters, and so they nest inside Got holes in, in trees, and okay. that sort of thing. That's good to know. Now I know what to look for. Um, so tell me about your class a little bit. Uh, what would a typical student expect? Is each locale a little different? Um, what are a few main topics you know you would uh, tell a, a student? You know, I'm sure there's some basic photography concepts or skills that you might. Yeah, it's it's all different because everyone brings a different you know skill set sets. of skills yeah. to uh, a photography tour. Some you know, some people are professional level photographers that go out with me and, uh, but most people are, you know, novice to intermediate, just enthusiast, hobbyist sure. photographers, amateur photographers. Uh, and so what, you know, what's, what's nice is all of my groups are, tend to be small, right. um, you know, trips around here. I'm usually just taking out three, maybe four people at the most at a time. Um, and then some of the bigger trips like Alaska and uh, Africa is usually, you know, four to six people uh, at the most. And so with such a, a small group, I can tailor what I what I can do for gotcha. people to, to meet their needs if they need help with uh, just, you know, learning how to use their camera. Yeah, I can I can usually do that, um, although that's, you know, that's. I would say that if you need help learning how to use your camera, that's better done on a, as a kind of one-on-one -on -one private thing. Right. Um, you know, most people that come on the trips should have a basic understanding of how to use their camera. Right. Um, but other than that, if someone needs help with, you know, the, the thing that most people need help with, I probably spend 70% of my time um, helping people understand exposure and how to get the proper exposure with their gear. Uh, that's uh, a, a lot of people think they understand exposure, but they, they really don't understand it as well as they think they do. And it's also the most challenging concept for most people to understand. It's very abstract, it involves numbers, it can be counterintuitive at times, and. And so it, it, it's a very difficult concept to understand in the first place. Um, Does that change with the daylight as well? I mean, is it kind of a sliding scale? Well, it, it, it's actually a lot easier than most people make it out to be. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, but, you know, and, but you have to have that basic understanding of, of how your camera looks at the world um, and apply the the very basics of of light and exposure to each situation gotcha but most people make it harder than it needs to be <laughs> excellent um so how do you choose where you're going to go i mean do you, are you following the seasons a little bit or you're following migration or you know whatever um how are you making up those decisions uh, well, I go to places that, that I want to go to. <laughs> First and foremost. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I am fairly selfish that way. Sure. But um, the, the good news is there 
are a lot of places that I want to go to. Um, but I also, it, it is also a business, so I have to go to places that other people want to go to sure. as well. And, um, and so, you know, the decision is, is uh, there, there are plenty of places to go that I'm interested in and other people are as well. Right. And when to go just depends on the, you know, what kind of uh, uh, maybe wildlife you're looking for, what kind of landscape you're looking for. And that can change based on, on season. Right. You know, if, you know, if, if your goal is to photograph, uh, I don't know, the, the Northern lights or the Aurora in Iceland, uh, you don't want to go in the summer because there is there is no nighttime now the aurora can be happening you just can't see it because it's it's daylight pretty much 24 hours a day or or close to it so you know so if that's that's your goal you obviously don't want to go right go at that time of year and uh if your goal is to photograph bears uh fishing for salmon uh which as i said is pretty much my favorite thing you need to go when the salmon are running, right? Uh, which in Alaska, basically, you know, July through September, right? Is you know, so you need to go then. So skipping around just to hear, you, you, your background is in biology. Does it ever? Do your trips ever turn into a, a, a kind of a simplified biology class? You know, yeah, you know, yeah. No, this my, is why. This mm. is what they're doing. This is why the salmon are running, and this is you know. Um, Whatever, why they're fattening up or whatever. Yeah, I got into uh, um, it. What I really like to think that I offer to folks is not just uh, an outing to go photograph brown bears or polar bears or lions or or something like that, and it's not just helping them improve their photography and teaching them some of the skills that, that, that they might need help with, but it's also educating them about uh, the, the natural world and, and nature. And that's my, my background is wildlife biology. That's my degree. Um, I've got a lot of experience studying and researching wildlife in the field. And uh, I also have quite a bit of experience as a, as a teacher, right. uh, which I didn't think I was going to get into, but ended up getting suckered into being a high school teacher for a long time. The good news is I was, uh, I was able to teach a wildlife biology course in, in high school. And that may be a, you know, a story for a different day and, and maybe a, a glass of bourbon, but, right. um, but I really fell in love with teaching, even though I, I didn't intend that to be yeah. a career. There's and, also that factor where when you teach something, you become smarter about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe you learn a little bit more about it or you learn how to convey the ideas better. Yeah. Um, so I, I could definitely see where that's one of those one hand washes the other kind of thing. Yeah, and, and most importantly, you know, with what I do now running the photography tours, you know, with something like wildlife, and I tell this regardless of what you like to photograph, um, you know, if you want to be a, an architectural photographer and that's your passion, you just, that's what you like photographing is architecture. Well, the more you know about architecture and the more sure. you can learn about it, the better images you're going to be able to create. Right. 
because you'll be able to, to basically demonstrate the nuances of the architecture that, that I wouldn't be able to understand. And so the same is true, uh, certainly with wildlife. And I think what, you know, my, my high level of skill as a, as a wildlife photographer and being able to make great wildlife images is not just, I mean, half of it is kind of photographic skill. Right. Uh, the other half is my knowledge of the subject. I have a right. very good understanding of, of, of wildlife and, uh, you know, and that's not just where to find it, but being able to predict, well, what's this animal going to do next? Yeah. You know, so I can create a more compelling image than just a, a snapshot of a, of a bear. Yeah. You know, or a lion and. Yeah. You know, you, you capture something that's that's just more compelling and grabs people's attention. So it sounds like obviously you're a teacher of photography, but you're also a bit of a guide. Yeah. I mean, you are taking these people out there on a little safari. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. so I'm sure there's all kinds of logistical things you need to get ready for these people. You got to take care of these people. Uh, safe to be around. Um, I still, we do a bear briefing and and tell people how we're gonna how we're going to behave to keep ourselves safe but also to to respect the wildlife and not disturb it right uh, just to you know get a, a stupid picture yeah so, and that's and that you know that's one of the more frustrating things that I deal with um, you know out to get at, children <laughs> well you know is is out at the refuge you know there are other people it's a, a public yeah. area that you're free to, you know, kind of go explore on your own. But the number of people that, uh, that are disturbing the wildlife and harassing the wildlife right. is, is, is a little upsetting yeah. at times. And, and there's a lot of issues with the, the horses on the North beach. Yeah. And well, they're and surrounded by people and, and houses. And, and in some cases it's, uh, it's not people intentionally, harassing the wildlife it's just it's a, a situation of ig ignorance right and they just don't know uh that what they're doing is is causing the bear harm or right. you know it's just it's just not fair to the the bear or the owl or or the the alligator or what you know whatever whatever it is um, you know people have a tendency to you know when they go photograph wildlife and so i guess i'm getting into a little bit of instruction now but when people go photograph wildlife very often their first instinct is oh my gosh there's a bear up ahead of us and they they try to get as close as they can to the bear in some cases you know they try and get as close as they can and maintain a safe distance which is always a good idea but the best photograph and the best way to view a bear is not always as close as possible. Right. You know, the, the best image can be, can be far away and very often, you know, is a, is a distance away so that you don't alter the bear's behavior so that it does what it naturally does and, and you end up, yeah. you know. Sometimes people aren't much different, right? No, no, <laughs> no. We all know when we have that camera footed away from our face, we don't take our best pictures. So we might be better off just keeping our distance. Well, and it's always good to assess the situation. Right. Because, you know, again, it's not just about being close. That's not what makes a, a, a great picture. And, 
you know, everyone has a camera in their pocket these days with a with their phones. And, you know, in that situation, you know, that that's not the right equipment to be photographing a bear with. Right. You know, you really, you know, for wildlife, you need telephoto lenses right. and, and the ability to kind of zoom in and and maintain a distance from the animal. Right. So, so if you um, act as a guide with your teaching groups, you probably still have some relationships with guides on the ground, uh, say in Alaska or, or Africa or something like that. Um, have you created any relationships with people over oh, the yeah. years that, that you go back to every year and they just, you know, kind of point you in the right direction or, or have the place kind of ready for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, a place like Alaska, I, I've spent so much time there um, that, yes, very often, a, a, you know, a, a guide, a, a dedicated bear guide will accompany me uh, and my group on a trip. Uh, but very often on that trip, I am the bear guide as well, just because sure. I have so much experience there with the bears and in the areas that, that we're going to take people to photograph the bears. But, you know, other trips like Africa, um, you know, in Africa, you, you hire a guide there. Yeah. I mean, and the guide drives you around. Uh, in the vehicle, and that's, I mean, that's the way you have to do that. Well, you don't have to do it that way. Um, there are certain places you can drive yourself around in Africa. But if at all possible, doing it with a, a guide who works every day out in an area and knows and knows the specific animals, knows their patterns, knows... Right you know, has a, a, a sense of what the animal has been doing for the past week, the past two weeks, and yeah. has a sense of its patterns. It, it, doing that just increases. Now, there's certain guides that are better yeah. than others. Um, and so, you know, if at all possible, I, I try and get the best guides right. possible. Or I, you know, there's, you know, some camps in Africa where all the guides at a particular camp are all really good. And so I tend to go to those camps Is that right? more often. Um, polar bears, that's definitely, that requires a, some kind of guide. Who's manning those stations? Well, the, the, there's a couple ways you can do polar bears. Um, uh, the the recent trip I did this past August with polar bears was out of a, 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 a basically an archipelago uh, north of Norway um, uh, called Svalbard, and that is a, a ship based expedition. Okay, uh, and so on what, that, what what nation is running that? Well, it's uh, our Svalbard is is a part of Norway. Okay. Um, it, it's essentially governed by Norway. Um, and, you know, you're basically about 10 degrees away from the North Pole. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty far up there. And um, the, the, the ship uh, that I chose to use is a, you know, a small ship. There's, there were only 13 passengers on board the ship. Uh, and there's an expedition leader. Comfortable? Uh, yeah, very comfortable. I mean, yeah, very comfortable. I mean, they're small berths or beds mm -hmm. uh, and small rooms like on, 
you know, kind of on, on any cruise ship, they tend to, the rooms tend to be quite small, but, right. uh, the only time you're in your room is, is when you're sleeping, uh, because otherwise you're out either looking for wildlife or you are out photographing some wildlife. Yeah. So it's, um, and it, you know, it's 24 hours of daylight there in the, <laughs> in the summer. Yeah. Uh, and there's an expedition leader and a, uh, wow. And an assistant expedition leader. And are you on skis, sleds? I mean, what are you? Uh, no, we're we're on a ship. Um, but you get out and you're on the ice floe or the ice pack, and well, what happens is when you see a bear or some other wildlife or something that you may want to go investigate or photograph, uh, there are small little inflatable zodiacs okay. on the on the ship, and you hoist those over the the side and you get into those with the expedition leaders and you go you go <laughs> chase or or photograph the wildlife amazing so you know most of it's photographing from uh from the ship you don't okay you, you, you most times you don't go onto land where there's a polar bear that's not a a real yeah, not a place not wise, a place to hide not a real wise maneuver <laughs> right um, you know, there's always a chance that you could go on land and a polar bear arrives while you're on the land, at, at, at which case you get back in the boat. But, right. <laughs> right. But, you know, we're, you were talking guides with rifles and in yeah. front and behind the group. You got to be a little little careful around polar bears. Is that right? Yeah. And I mean, you got to be careful around yeah. all bears in general. How much polar bigger bears, are polar bears? They're big. Yeah, yeah. They're they're <laughs> they're they're big. Their their paws are you know. I mean, they're the size of dinner plates. Yeah. I mean, they're just massive, powerful animals. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Uh, how would you compare NC black bears with the bears you see in Alaska? Well, they're different. I mean, the the bears here. Uh, uh, in the eastern United States are, are black bears, uh, whereas the uh, bears in Alaska are grizzly or brown bears. Uh, grizzly and brown bears are, are the same animal, uh, same species. They just um, have a, a designation as, uh, as to grizzly bear or brown bear, essentially based on what it feeds on. Oh, really? So brown bears feed on coastal resources like salmon. Okay. Uh, whereas grizzly bears do not, they do not feed on coastal resources. And so generally inland, uh, inland, uh, brown bears are grizzly bears. Right. So, you know, the, they, they, and they, what are they feeding? Uh, they feed off, uh, other animals, uh, elk, Bison, uh, you know, they'll feed off of whatever meat. They'd have they to be can. pretty opportunistic because yeah, I can't imagine are. an elk being caught by a bear. Yeah, I mean, but you know, deer, uh, things like that. Uh, now, black bears don't do that, but you know, black bears don't uh, don't often eat much meat unless they happen to come across a carcass or, or something that like right? that. And they generally, in most places, don't fish for their food. There, there are some places where black bears do fish. For food, but you know the but bears are also uh, omnivorous. They they don't just eat meat. They eat lots of berries. Right. And the black bears here, um, you know, they're eating primarily you know a kind of uh, vegetation, forbs yeah. and grasses and uh, 
things like that, but also insects. It's uh, amazing to think that they can maintain their size on yeah, and, a mostly vegetarian diet. <laughs> yeah, and fruits and berries, um, you know, thing whatever might be in season. Uh, but the black bears out here, uh, one one of the reasons they also get so big is they have access to uh, agricultural crops. Yeah. Uh, you know, Eastern North Carolina is is very heavy with agriculture, and and bears especially love corn. Is that uh, right? They eat a lot of corn. And I guess over Wild uh, Alligator River, they keep they keep some of those crops. Um, don't they plant some crops? There, there yeah, there are of... there are crops that are planted there. Usually, uh, it's a, by uh, private farmers who lease out the land to grow crops, and and some of the crops are are even left behind, uh, right. as, as a resource for wildlife. Um, but they, they will get heavy, heavy into, into the crops. And in some years there's no corn planted at the refuge. It just, it, it all depends, you know, and it's really right. up to the, the farmer, I guess. I don't know all the details of the relationship between the fish and wildlife service and the, and the farmers, but uh, but this year, I don't think there—I don't think there was any corn at all. Uh, I can't remember whether there was corn planted this year right. or not. I noticed some fields over there, but I couldn't tell if they had anything. Yeah, in. lots of soybean. Right. This year, and the bears would eat that too, probably. Right? Uh, they don't eat the soybeans. No. <laughs> um, you'll see them in soybean fields, though, uh, and especially while the soybeans are are growing and producing new shoots. Uh, they will nibble on that, and they'll also root around for insects and grubs in right? the soil and, and that sort of thing. But they, they actually they don't eat the soybeans. Huh. So uh, a small percentage of your business is selling prints, yeah. photos? Yeah, very small. But <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have any consistent buyers, or is it just kind of uh, is it typical freelancing? You just, you know? Uh, it's, it, you know, just whoever finds out. Uh, about my photography, um, I guess uh, probably one of the more regular uh, ones is Our State Magazine. A oh, good uh, magazine, yeah. Yeah, very uh, great magazine. So I'm proud to have images in there regularly. Yeah, excellent. Uh, and if I were 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 better at uh, maintaining a library for them, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> images would be in there. <laughs> uh, but I don't think I don't think that, I've... that'd be another full time job, pretty much. Yeah, just uh, yeah. It, it takes up, you know, the the other stuff that I do, the photo tours, takes up so much time because... How many trips a, a year are you averaging? I have no... I, that I, I don't know. Um, uh, probably a good... I'm, I'm running trips 150 days a year. That's fine. Yeah. So, you know, most of the, you know, most of those trips are, you know, local where I get to sleep in my own bed each yeah. night, but... You know, some of them are, are you know, in faraway places. Okay. Because this uh, podcast kind of centers around the Outer Banks, could you give us a few examples of your local trips? I mean, just tell us, you know, what you might do with a couple different groups. Yeah. What yeah, areas, no, I've, I've run what a areas you might go to? Of different trips around here. I do, uh, you know, I do a lot. We've been talking a lot about wildlife, and that is what I spend a, a lot of my time photographing. Uh, and so that would be, you know, trips to photograph the wild horses, um, trips to photograph. Corova Beach? Uh, yeah, 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 up in the yeah. four-wheel drive area in, in Corral. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but are you providing uh, 
did you get a van and throw everybody in the van? Or? Uh, no, I, well, I provide my, I just use my, my own vehicle. Your truck, uh, yeah. Yeah, just use my, my, my SUV. Because you only had three or four people with you anyway. Yeah, and so, I, you know, prior to uh, two years ago, I, you know, I had a, a four-wheel drive uh, Chevy Suburban that I'd be able to transport, you know, four or five people comfortably. Uh, but I'm now down to a, a slightly smaller four-wheel drive vehicle that's even better off-road. Right. Um, and now I'll take three people on most trips. Right. And if if it's a, a group of people that maybe know each other and they want to squeeze a fourth in, it's doable. Gotcha. But, but generally, yeah. it's just three people. Um, okay. That gives plenty of room for for gear and um and the ability to go off road on the beaches and, yeah. and even in other areas but you know it could be wild horses could be black bears it could be uh you know i do bird photography in the summer uh here with a lot of the shorebirds and water birds uh and then uh, we're getting right now uh into uh waterfowl Right. photography season because swans and snow geese have have really just arrived in large numbers and right. uh so i spent a lot of time in in december january and february uh photographing the ducks geese and swans that uh that that uh sorry for the pun that flock here in the winter time um in in such large numbers and like you were saying earlier you know you were somewhat unaware of of the bears at alligator river and you know another phenomenon that happens here every year and has for for centuries is the the inundation of of ducks geese and swans in northeastern north carolina in the winter time most people have have no idea that that northeastern north carolina including the outer banks uh, is one of the most significant wintering areas for ducks, geese, and swans right. in North America, and and certainly for the tundra swans. Right. And and it's just it's it, in this area in the winter, uh, there are certain areas where you can go, like Pocosin Lakes National Wildlife Refuge. Um, is that and, like Columbia? Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of between Columbia and Plymouth. Uh, right. The visitor center is in Columbia uh, for Pocosin Lakes, but there's an area uh, of the refuge called the Pungo Unit where you can see sometimes uh, 100,000 snow geese in a flock. Wow. Uh, Have you been to Manamuskee? Yep. Again, haven't there. been there. I got to check it out. Oh, you got you to go check it out as well. I mean, you, th- these are world class right? kind of wildlife spectacles, is what I call them. And and you know, Lake Madame Skeet is another national wildlife refuge. Uh, it's the largest natural lake in North Carolina. Is it? Uh, and the entire lake and some of the perimeter uh, is part of the national wildlife refuge. I think it's a fifty thousand acre lake or somewhere in that vicinity. And. Uh, each winter, that lake has 300,000 ducks, geese, or swans right. on it each winter. Now, it's a big lake, and they tend to concentrate in, uh, you know, the birds on the lake uh, tend to concentrate in an area that you don't, don't really have access to. Okay. But occasionally, they're right next to the highway, but there are also some uh, impoundments 
in small bodies of water uh, on the edge of the lake mm-hmm. uh, that you can drive through and uh, and just see thousands and thousands nice. of birds and it's it's just it's spectacular yeah. even to just listen to. I got to check that out. Yeah. So uh, we're kind of wrapping things up now. Um, feel free to promote your product. What's your website called? Uh, website is is Buckler Photo. So it's my last name. Uh, uh, BucklerPhoto.com. Right. And, and they can get information on your tours and all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, all there. my stuff's listed there. And, um, you know, that primarily is a, a vehicle, at least right now, where, where people can, can sign up and, and learn about the, the trips that I offer. There are some of my images are, are up there as well in a gallery. Uh, but probably the, the best way to, to keep up with me is on, like everybody else, social media. Right. Um, and that uh, Instagram and, and Facebook is is where I'm I'm at right now, and that's just at Mark Buckler Photography. Gotcha. Yep. And that's a, a good you way on to Instagram and always some great photos you got posted on there. Love love seeing your photos. Yeah, there. I've been a little. Uh, I, I took some time off from social media over the last month or two since I got back from Africa because uh, the past few past few months. Uh, before that were just a whirlwind of of traveling <laughs> traveling the world i mean I, I, right. I, I, I literally was not home for for nearly three months is that right? <laughs> yeah no I, I, I was polar bears for two weeks in the Arctic uh, I flew home for six hours and went to Alaska for two weeks oh boy. Then I was back here on the Outer Banks for a couple of weeks, and then it was straight to Africa for three weeks. Your wife so, must be very understanding. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I have the best wife on the planet. She um, normally I don't. I try not to schedule things like that. Right. Uh, but COVID caused some postponements, gotcha. and yeah. and then. You know, dates are then limited because all of us tour leaders are trying to cram stuff in, cram stuff yeah. in, and so it, it it just hopefully will be much more spread out. Excellent. Uh, but no, she's uh, she takes care of the four boys and the household while I'm gone, and right. Um, and although she did, uh, I the reason I came home for six hours in between polar bears and Alaska bears is she got to go to Alaska with me. Oh, cool. On my on my brown bear her alaska bear trip this year so is she on the trail with you or oh yeah okay yep i wasn't sure if she was sipping cognac in the cabin no 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 she was out there uh out there all the time exciting trudging along and hanging out with bears and having a blast and and how long is the wait for somebody who wants to get into one of your classes uh you know it just you never know um certain trips uh will will fill up, uh, you know, a year in advance. Um, generally my Alaska bear trips are filled up, uh, a year in advance. Uh, although this coming year in 2023, uh, I've still got, uh, I think five spots left. So I don't know what's going on without, but there's available availability on the Alaska bear trip, which is probably my favorite, my favorite trip, as I've mentioned a couple of times. Uh, and then, you know, other trips, it, you know, it, it sounds like there's almost always something you can choose from unless you're yeah. really dialed yep. into one specific. Venue. Yeah. And I've got, uh, uh, I, uh, I've got a trip that I'm announcing Well, it's up on my website now. Uh, but I haven't, 
officially announced it yet. Um, uh, I just uh, booked a trip for uh, Kenya. Okay. Uh, uh, a photo safari in Kenya, nice. in Africa, uh, not until February of 2024. But okay. what kind of animals would you? And expect? that one, that one, uh, I, 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 I'm anticipating that once I send an email out announcing it to my, my so-called fan base, it, that will probably fill up within right? a day. Wow. Nice. So if you want in on it early. Uh, <laughs> See what the wife is yeah, doing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's announced here on, on Treasures of the Outer Banks. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, Mark, this was a great talk, and, and uh, I learned so much about all, all the stuff around here. Very cool. I appreciate you coming out today. Oh, no no problem. Anytime. Hope to, hope to talk some more at some point. That'd be great. You heard it here first again. <laughs> Episode two on uh, wilderness photography. I'd like to thank Mark Buckler for joining me today. Awesome time. If you'd like to learn more about Mark Buckler and what he's doing, you can go to bucklerphoto.com and you can also follow him on Instagram or Facebook at Mark Buckler Photography. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you like this podcast, please leave a positive review on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. I hope you check out our episode next week and until then, make it a good one.